0: All right, everybody, man, it is good to be at New Life. I hope that you are glad you came today. Are you glad you came today? I mean, come on. Come on, it's an opportunity to gather together here at New Life Church and to worship the Lord. Uh, We get to sing together, we get to hear from God's Word, we get to pray together, we get to encourage one another, we get to lift up one another, right? I mean, come on, New Life Church should be the most encouraging place you go to all week long. I hope that's the case for your life. So I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at all of our campuses. We've got our physical campuses. We've got our online campus. My name's Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Glad to have you here with us, especially if you are a guest um, with us. So we're in, the, we're in a series that we entitled Breakthrough. And that's because we really discovered in life that um, all of us are in a place where we feel stuck from time to time. Uh, Where we feel like um, where where hope has depleted, right? Where we're lacking joy, um, where we're wanting a spiritual breakthrough. Maybe we need an emotional or a mental breakthrough, um, right? We're wanting to have a breakthrough and uh, cut addiction off in our life. Maybe we're wanting to see a breakthrough and we want to see our passion for Jesus increase, We wanna see a breakthrough in our prayer life increase. I mean, I don't know what kind of breakthrough you're looking for, but everybody's looking for a breakthrough, Um, and that's the reason why you don't stay the way you are. You keep moving, you keep keep adjusting, you keep changing, you keep becoming the man or the woman that God designed you to be. And here at New Life, we wanna help you become that man or that woman, that we feel like that's part of our mission, is to help you become the person God called you to be. Because we recognize that every single one of you is unique And you're uniquely different from the person sitting next to you. And if you're married right now, you know that. Right? Uniquely different, right? And that's what makes you better together. So we overlook the things that kind of frustrate us because we are better together, and we want to help you be those people. So we're talking about breakthrough. Um, if you want to know more about the series, you can go back to mindnewlifeCurch.com and you can watch the, the previous weeks in this series. So I'm not going to give a review of those, because there's like three of them. Uh, but this week, I really want to talk about how God uses others to help us see spiritual breakthrough in our life, how God uses others. I mean, come on, let's just admit it right now. Uh, If I I walked around with a microphone and we went out to one of our campuses with a microphone and I asked you the question like, hey, give me the name of somebody that's in your past that helped you get to where you are. You'd be able to give me a name. In fact, many of you would be able to give me more than one name. You'd be able to share with me the name of of a teacher or a professor you might use your parents' name, you might use a, a neighbor, you might use a friend that God brought into your life, but that person helped you. They might have helped you find a new freedom in your life, they might have helped you you know, uh, accomplish something that you never could have accomplished by yourself, but every single one of us has somebody like that in our lives. Am I right about this? Come on, this is interactive, this is interactive. All right, okay, all right. Very good. All of us have a person like that. Uh, There's a book, it was written a number of years ago, uh, by Dr. Henry Cloud, a Christian psychologist. And he wrote the book, and he entitled it this, The Power of the Other. The Power of the Other. And in the book, he talks about his brother-in-law, Mark, who is a Navy SEAL. I mean, come on, somebody. That's tough stuff, right? And he's like, I always go to my my brother-in-law, Mark, Because I kind of see him as like my older brother. And uh, I go to him and I just say, Mark, come on, tell me some cool stories about where you've been and what you've done and, you know, what's happened in your life. I just want to hear. Give me some of those, you know, Navy SEAL stories. And he says, Mark always looks at him with a smile on his face. And he just says, he goes, Henry, you know, if I tell you the stories, I'm going to have to kill you. And he's like, okay, well, tell me the stories you can tell me that you don't have to kill me. And he says, well, let me take you back to, you know, training, training to become a SEAL. And I don't know if you've watched the shows on TV about those. They've been around for quite a while. Uh, but, but it's intense. It's intense. And maybe, maybe you know, 900 or 1,000 or more enter, you know, the program at the beginning. And then the entire program is designed to try to, like, push you to your breaking point and have people ring the bell and go, I'm out. Like, I can't do this. I'm just going to be in the Navy, right? I'm not going to be a Navy SEAL. And so they do that. And then they get all the way down to this week that they call the last week called Hell Week. And this week they keep you up. They push you even farther than you ever thought. They got you out, and they're, they're swimming in the ocean. You're pulling barges. You're doing stuff. You're trying to survive. They got you into hypothermic situations, trying to push your body to the breaking point. And they're trying to whittle this group down. They might go into Hell Week with 100 or 200, and they're going to whittle it down to 20 or 25. Mark is in his last leg of the last swim, and he finally finishes it, and he gets to shore. And he looks out for his buddy, because when you go through this training, you get assigned a buddy. And his buddy's name, they called him Bryce. It's not his real name, but that's what they called him in the book, Bryce. And, and Bryce is out there, and Bryce is trying to finish this you know, endurance uh, leg of, of this entire training and get to the beach. And if you get to the beach, you finish, and you're a Navy SEAL. And, and Bryce is about 100 yards offshore, and his body just stops. It's been pushed To the breaking point, the muscles don't want to move anymore. Have you ever been to the gym, right? And you've been curling, or you've been bench pressing, or you've been doing something with your legs, and you get to that spot where those muscles are just not going to move that weight anymore? You know? Like, have you ever been to that spot? Some of you are like, the gym, what's that? Um... Yeah, but you get to this point where you're curling, and it's just like you can't go any farther. And, and Bryce's body got that way, but it was in the ocean. And he knew that, man, if he doesn't get help, he's going to sink. And he starts to kind of look around, and he's thinking to himself, I only have 100 yards to go. I can see the finish line, but my body won't move. It won't move. And he looks up, and Bryce's eyes catch Mark's eyes on the beach. And Mark, when his eyes connect, he looks out at his friend Bryce, and he goes, go! Go! Go, Bryce, go! And Bryce tells the story about how something happened, and it was as if this fresh energy, strength filled his body, and it's like he goes, the next thing I know is that like my body's floating over the water, and I am at the beach, and I finished, and I'm a Navy SEAL. What is that? What, what, what is that? When you can't push yourself any farther... You can't go another moment and someone else yells, go, and you find a strength on the inside of you. It's like this invisible, immaterial something connects with a visible, material world. What is that? And I would suggest to you it is the power of the other. It is the power of one person in another person's life that we can do this. Because let's just admit it, that when, we, when we're stuck and we need a breakthrough, man, we're in a hopeless situation. We're like Bryce, and we're out there in the water, and we don't know where to go. And we're praying to God, and we're saying, God, rescue us rescue me right now god i'm stuck i don't know where to go i'm hopeless i'm in my basement with depression i don't know what the next step is like i am angry i'm gonna lash out i don't know what to do god rescue me if you don't rescue me god i am dead and we look for some supernatural move of god which God. by the way god does things supernaturally by the way we're going to talk about that in an upcoming week of the series but many times, God sends another human being into your life. And that human being shows up with a word of encouragement. Go. They may have showed up in your life with this, an invite. Hey, and I don't know what's going on, but I was just thinking about you, and so I thought I would call you and invite you to come to my church with me on a Sunday morning. Anybody ever got that kind of a call? The, the invite call? Some, some of you, you had people, they just... All of a sudden they showed up in your life just when you needed them and they just walked with you through the journey of life. Like we all have had people come along. Some of us have even experienced people coming along in our life with a prophetic word of, of God just spoken through them going, hey, I don't know what's going on with you, but I was reading in my Bible and this verse stood out to me and I'm going to give it to you. Or I don't know what's going on with you, but man, I just sense this and they speak it to you. And it, it just anchors itself in your soul because it was something that was spoken by God, but it was through another, the power of of the other. Let me show you what that looks like at work in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. It says that he, meaning Jesus, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Okay, now he's talking, he's talking about the body of Christ, but that could also be the body of new life. It could be the body of our campus in Ogallala as an example. And so he he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Now watch this. As each part does its own special work, it Helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Did you find yourself in that scripture, by the way? Because in that scripture, you are the it. It doesn't sound very significant, but it's powerful. It, meaning you, insert your name, Jeff Baker, helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It, just insert your name right now. It, it, and I know the scripture's not up there anymore, but can that scripture stay up there while we're talking about it for a second? Just put your name in there. It, it's you. Put your name in, because God's going this, look, I put you together perfectly so that you could help the rest of the body see a spiritual breakthrough and see the rest of the body be healthy. Did you realize that's how God designed you? That means this, like, it's like a puzzle. And if you put puzzles together, then you know that each piece is cut just in a certain way with a certain print on it, so it fits in just one spot of the puzzle. If you try to fit that piece somewhere else, it doesn't work. It won't fit. It doesn't even look right. If you could make it fit, it doesn't have the right print on it. See, that's what Jesus did for you. Jesus made you unique unique. He shaped you just the way he wanted you to be so that you'd be a perfect fit in his body so that you could help others experience a spiritual breakthrough. That's how he designed you. That's who you are, guys. Is that good news or not? I think that's great news, by the way, that he designed you to help others grow. The problem is that many of you don't feel qualified. Why? Why don't you feel qualified to help another one see a spiritual breakthrough? Why would you say, well, pastor, that's your job? Because you see your failures, and you see your faults, and you see all of your issues. And because you can see your faults and your failures and your issues better, by the way, than anyone else can, you're like, who am I to help someone else see a spiritual breakthrough when I need multiple spiritual breakthroughs in my life? Well, can we just take a survey in the room really quick in all of our auditoriums? And if you're sitting at home alone, participate. All right? Here's the question. With a raise of hands, how many of you guys have issues? All right, just hold your hand up. Okay, look around. Just look around for a moment, people. We all have issues, but God wants to use us. Okay, put your hands down. Now, where is the one person that doesn't have any issues at all? All right? No issues at all, nothing, nothing's going wrong, you've got, everything's perfect in your life, God would say you are the perfect human being to ever walk the earth, ever, right? Well that person, if you are here, I would have them stand so I could show you what denial actually looks like. <laughs> so I'm thankful that you guys lowered your hand because I was that close. I know you were joking, so I, I kinda was like, I gotta stall for a minute, I gotta stall because I don't wanna throw them under the bus. Because look, I love a person that's got a good joke anyways. We all have issues. Did you realize that the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, by the way, most of the New Testament, the man had issues, okay? And God still used him to write all of these books of the Bible and to help plant all these churches and to be an instrument in God's hands to propel the message of Jesus into the, into the far, far reaches of the world? Here's what, here's what he says, Okay, talking about one of his journeys in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 6, says this that when he arrived, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction, with battles on the outside, and what on the inside? Fear on the inside. But watch this. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, which by the way, some of your Bibles will actually use the word depression there. Watch this. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, or depressed, encouraged us by the what? By the arrival of who? Titus, Titus. by the arrival of another. God sent another. He sent one of us into the life of Paul, Paul's good friend, Titus. He sent him into his life to do what? To bring a spiritual breakthrough to bring a spiritual breakthrough. Paul is saying here, look, on the outside, we're facing many physical battles and and the oppression from different people, but on the inside, I'm facing incredible fear. Oh, and by the way, there are many times when I'm even feeling depressed. And so what does God do to see the spiritual breakthrough? He sends his good friend Titus. Just the sheer fact that Titus showed up in his life brought encouragement. Has any of you ever felt that way before where you were in a dark, difficult place and someone showed up? They may have showed up on a FaceTime call or a Zoom call, or they may have shown up physically in person, or they may have showed up in that sporadic text message. Have you ever had someone show up in a dark moment and that person just brought hope to you? I have. I have. And when that happens, it is good news. But it goes on to say that even the words that Titus brought, brought encouragement. So two things. One, he showed up and it brought encouragement. God knew he needed it. But also the words that he brought, brought encouragement as well. Here's what I want you to know. That was just like Mark standing on the shore, yelling out to his friend Bryce in the water, go! Sometimes we just need somebody to show up in our life and say, Go! Sometimes we need somebody to show up in our life and go, it's going to be okay. Sometimes we need somebody to show up in our life and say, God's got this. Sometimes we need somebody to show up in our life and just, you know, put their arm around us while tears flow down our face with no words to say at all. Sometimes it's just you and your presence in the midst of someone else that's going to all of a sudden give them a strength that they couldn't find anywhere else. And God's using the power of the other through you. So, guys, never Never underestimate the power of the other. And by the way, never underestimate how God can use you to see someone else find spiritual freedom. I want to help you anchor that, though, in Scripture. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 11. Um, if you don't have an analog written Bible, I want you to get your digital one out, right? Because on your phone, you've got tons of different versions. I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 11. I know the Scriptures are going to be on the screen. Okay, that's the easy way. I need you to have this because you're going to want to look at this later. 1 Samuel chapter 11, if you don't know where that is, it's in the Old Testament, okay? So that means it's, the, it's in the first half of the book, and um, 1 Samuel comes before 2 Samuel. Uh, that's just a little bit of you know Bible knowledge for you um, that you might find helpful. But here, here's what we're talking about, the power of the other, and, and we're looking at How does the power of the other impact me, and how does God use me to help others see a spiritual breakthrough? 1 Samuel chapter 11, here's the background of the story. It starts in verse 1. It says, King Nahash of Ammon led his army against the Israelites. So the enemy led his army against the Israelites. Town, though, okay? Not just an army, against an entire town called Jabesh Gilead. Someone say Jabesh. Okay, you're going to want that knowledge for later. But all the citizens of Jabesh asked for peace. All the citizens, instead of taking up their sword, taking up their shield, and fighting back, they asked the enemy immediately for peace. Why? Because this enemy had a, um, he, he kind of had an image in, in the region. He had a really bad image. And we'll show you what that image is here in just a minute. And they said this to the enemy. We'll make a treaty with you. Um, ma- make a treaty with us. And we'll be your servants, they pleaded. In verse 2, all right, Nahash, the enemy said, but only on one condition, that I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you as a disgrace to all of Israel. First and foremost, I just want you to see how people get surrounded by the enemy. Sometimes that happens because they're not paying attention. That could have happened here. The people just weren't paying attention. The people were too comfortable. Sometimes when we're too comfortable, we get besieged by the enemy. Sometimes when we're too lazy, the enemy kind of has the ability to kind of, you know, surround us and hold us captive right where we are, and we start to feel stuck. But other times, guys, I just want you to know, it doesn't always happen that way. You don't always get into this place where you need a spiritual breakthrough because of your laziness. Sometimes the enemy just has a plan to come against you. And you need to know that. You need to know sometimes the enemy just has a plan to come against you and the erosion of his attack over time on your soul sometimes gets you to a place where you're in need of spiritual breakthrough. It happens for all of us. But that's that's where the people find themselves. They're trapped by an enemy. And so what do the people do? They immediately go, make a treaty with us. Here's what I've discovered about people that are stuck that feel overwhelmed and are in need of the power of the other in their life, many times they lower their values and they start making foolish decisions. They take a bad situation and they turn it into a worse situation because they, they start to lack hope. And so watch what the people do in verse three, right? Here's what they do in, in verse three. They say, look, okay enemy, give us seven days to send messengers throughout Israel. There's some of our, our friends and pals living in other towns. Um, replied the elders of Jabesh, if no one comes to save us, then we will agree to your terms. Meaning like, yeah, it's cool, it's fine. Um, Let us go send for some help. Give us a week to do that. If no one comes, we'll surrender to you. Which means what? We'll let you gouge out our right eye. Gouge it out as a disgrace to all of Israel. Now that's disgusting and that's got a deeper meaning to it, but we won't get into that right now. But that's what happens when people are stuck. When when people are stuck, they start making these, like, they start coming up with these ideas where they're like, I just want to get out of where I am. And instead of searching for God's best, they settle for something less than God's best. Have you ever been stuck in your life? Have you ever felt like, you know, this is a difficult place that I'm in. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And so you kind of compromise your way out of it. And does it really truly get better? no it might only get better for a short time but then the pain's right back again because whenever we compromise our way out of something we're really just walking ourselves from one problem into another problem and the first problem never goes away so now we adopted a second problem and things just keep getting worse and worse and worse but that's what happens when people are stuck and they don't have the right people around them and so look here's what happens their messengers go out and they show up to one town. We get the account of their messengers showing up to one town. And what happened in this one town is probably what happened to all of the towns that their messengers went to. Verse four, when the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the people about their plight, everyone did what? They broke into tears. There was hopelessness. This is what happens when we don't have the power of the other in our life we're hopeless hope depletes we end up with a lack of hope in our lives and these messengers kind of give us a snapshot into the hearts of the people that are have got an enemy surrounded them and they feel stuck and they're in need of the power of the other in their life And, and that's where we go often a hope hope depletes guys the longer you feel spiritually stuck until so you get to a point where you're just like, this is as good as it's going to get. It can't get any better. And then you settle and you go, I'm just going to live with this addiction. I'm just going to live with this, this problem. I'm just going to live with this unforgiveness. I'm just going to live with this anger. I'm just going to live this way. And that's what the enemy loves. The enemy loves for us to be a people of no hope. But we need the power of the other to see spiritual breakthrough in our lives. And that's what you see happen in those next verses. Look with me what happens in verse 5 through 7. It says, then Saul, Saul had been plowing a field with his oxen, and when he returned to town and he asked, hey, what is the matter? Why is everyone crying? So they told him about the the message uh, from Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he became very angry. He took two oxen and he cut them Into pieces, and he sent the messengers to carry them throughout Israel with this message. This is what will happen to the oxen of anyone who refuses to follow Saul and Samuel into battle. The people that are surrounded by the enemy are in need of the power of the other, and here he is right here, rising up. He's rising up, and he's like, Look, that's no, that's not going to happen to my friend. I'm not gonna let my friend live in depression by themselves. I'm not gonna let my friend live isolated by themselves. I'm not gonna let my friend live a life surrounded by the enemy where the enemy's choking out all of the essence of life from them. I see it, I, I hear about it. I'm not gonna sit here idly and just let that happen. And guys, why is the church on planet Earth? The churches on planet earth, because there are people that are just like those of Jabesh and they're surrounded by the enemy. And what is the message of Jesus? I'm gonna come and rescue you. What is the message then of, the, of those that sit here today listening to this message that are full of the life giving hope of Jesus Christ? What is our message? Our message should be that of Saul. Like, hey, look, no, we're not gonna let that happen. We are going to fight for the souls of those that are in our city, we're gonna fight for the souls of those that are in our town, we're gonna fight for the souls of those who are in our family, we are definitely gonna fight for the souls of those who are in our church. That's the attitude. And and what happens then when that message gets back to the people of Jabesh, those who are surrounded by the enemy, look at verse nine, it's awesome, it says this, so Saul sent the messengers back to Jabesh Gilead to say, we will rescue you by noontime tomorrow. And there was great joy throughout the town when that message arrived. Come on, somebody. I mean, when, when the person that God's put in your life to help rescue you shows up, there should be great joy. And I don't know about you, but man, I have experienced that in my life. I've experienced people coming alongside of me, helping me walk through a difficult season, and it brought joy to my life. And so have you. So have you. And guess what? God wants to use you. In that way as well. And sometimes all it takes is to to see a breakthrough in your life. Sometimes all it takes is just to see someone else who's willing to come alongside and walk with you. Someone that's willing to come alongside, walk with you. Someone who's willing to come along and fight with you. Someone who's willing to come along and just help share what they have. Sometimes that's all it takes. Did, did, Did you realize that New Life Church just did this in August through Kingdom Builders? Through Kingdom Builders, we came alongside and we encouraged uh, pastors down in Cuba. That in August, I took five pastors with me down to Cuba from small towns in Nebraska, small churches, the largest church is somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 people. And we, we handpicked these guys, and we invited them to go on this trip with us so that we could inspire them and encourage them and invest into their lives. Because we thought if we invest into the pastor's life, then we get to a chance to invest into the church's life. And we wanted to help these pastors have a vision of what God could do. We wanted to help them see a breakthrough in their life. We wanted to bring hope, and we wanted to bring joy to them. And so we, we flew them down to Cuba. And we took them from church to church to ministry to ministry so that they could interact with other pastors and they could hear what was happening in Cuba. Because, guys, look, in Cuba, a pastor gets paid 20 to $25 a month in American dollars. And you might go, well, man, that doesn't seem fair. Yeah, but an oncologist gets paid like $37 um, a month. So it's the communist government at work. And you might go, well, okay, well, that's cool, man, if everything's like a penny or 50 cents. But that's not the way it is because a carton of eggs costs $4. So, you know, their money doesn't go very far. And they get these books from the communist government that they can take these rations and they can take them in to these storehouses. And then they can pay for the rations. The, The coupon just allows them to pay for the rations at the government rate, which is how they all survive in Cuba. The government, dependency upon the government to survive. And so they're, they're very much under oppression. And so we end up showing up at this first church, and uh, we get a chance to preach. It's Sunday morning, and I got five pastors, and the pastor of the Cuban church asked for a miracle. He was like, hey, you think all five pastors could, like, preach these little mini messages and they could all fit, like, within this particular time frame? I go, nope. <laughs> but it happened. It happened. A miracle took place in Cuba. All five pastors preached. And we all fit inside of our window of time. I could not believe it. It was the first miracle we experienced in Cuba. Right? But at the end of the service, the pastor's up there, and he was like, man, this is an awesome service. We prayed for people. It was a blast. But he's casting this vision to the congregation. He's saying to them, hey, guys, we got this large outreach coming next month, and we've got to find $250 to buy pork. So that the people of the town can come and we can feed the people of the town. $250. Now, look, remember, the pastor gets paid 20 to $25. So we're talking a lot of money here. $250 for pork. And the missionary leans over to me and goes, I think this would be a great thing, man, for kingdom builders to invest into. And I go, I think you're right. And I open up like the kingdom builder treasure box called my backpack in, in a nice little bank envelope. And, and I open it up and I'm like, pfft. And I go, here, Danny, here's 250 bucks. And Danny interrupts the pastor. Pastor, here's the money for the pork. And the church erupts. And they're like, yes, this is exciting. And then Danny leans over to me and he's like, yeah, but that only feeds the people that are coming for the outreach. The people of the church weren't going to eat at all. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, now they are. I give him $250. I say, give him the $250 and tell him the church is eating, too. And the pastor gets up and he goes, and we get to eat, too. And it was this joy, man. We we saw a breakthrough we brought, hope, joy was brought to the city. Something that seemed insurmountable was possible because the power of the other, which is, by the way, you. You. We are kingdom builders at New Life. That's who we are as a church. That's what you did. But it didn't stop there. No, we went to a house church. You, you, many churches in Cuba are house churches, and so the picture you're looking at, right behind them, that open door, that goes into like a large living room, like a living room size like you would have in many of your homes. And that's where they hold the service. And then back behind that, you go through a kitchen, which goes to their bedroom that they use for the youth room, and then it goes to, um, which I didn't think was very smart, but hey, so went. Anyway. So <laughs> the youth room, and then it goes to the back room, which they use for the kids' auditorium, Okay. And so the whole place gets packed out every Sunday, and the pastor's just excited that we're there. They were all there praying that morning, the leadership team, and um, we come in, and it is a small area. They've got no fans, okay? One fan on the wall, excuse me, and typically they put like three or four fans on the wall, and they're oscillating, and they're blowing, but this church had one, and it was broke, right? It was depressing, but the church was full every Sunday, and the pastor showed us the numbers, and he was excited, and he's like, I want to buy this land over there. And he's probably thinking to himself, these Americans are here. I'm going to cast the vision. I need to buy the land. The land is twenty dollars or $30,000, guys. I don't remember. Can you imagine buying a plot of land that's twenty dollars or $30,000 when all you make is twenty dollars a month? But he's got the vision for that. And so I turn it around on him, and I go, have you ever thought, crazy thought, have you ever thought about having multiple services in this place right here? And he's kind of like, well, I've thought about it. I said, you should do it. I mean, do it tomorrow. Start running multiple services. And so we start talking about it, and you can kind of see the light comes on. And he's like, man, that's a great idea. I go, yeah, before you ever buy the land, like, do that. Do that. And so then I said, look, if, you'll, if you guys will start planning a second service, I want to do something for you. There's no fans in here, and it is smoking hot in this room. Is this the way it is on Sunday? And one of the ladies goes, nope, it's worse. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, how much do fans cost? I'm thinking like $25 a piece. They're like $80 a piece. $80 a piece, people, for an oscillating fan. Okay? When you make $20 a month, you're not buying that fan. So what did we do? We were like, 80, 80, 80, there's one wall. 80, 80, 80, there's the other wall. And we were like, boom. Man, we just gave it to him. We were like, fans are going in this place. People are going to feel cool. If people are cool, then people are going to hear the message. And if people hear the message, they're going to go tell their friends. And their friends are going to come fill up that second service. We're in this with you. We want to see a breakthrough for you. And hope filled the place. Joy filled the place. The worship leader got up on the keyboard. He's playing the keyboard. I get on one of the instruments, and I'm keeping really bad beat on it. I mean, it was just like... Joy filled the place, guys. You want one more story? Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is a, is a center where they help men get off of drugs and alcohol. And uh, it's a beautiful place. they got a beautiful compound, a facility where the men live, and the, and the leaders live there. The leaders have led this ministry for the last 14 years. they got fruit trees all over the place, and they got a little fruit stand out front. And uh, Juan and Yvonne, okay, that's the leader's. And they were sharing their testimony with us, and we're all crying. It's powerful. Um, but I asked them uh, at, at a certain point, I just said, how much do you guys make? And they said, we make $20 a month. That's what Teen Challenge gives us to run this place. How much does Teen Challenge give you to, like, feed all the men that are here? They're $120 to run the whole program for the entire month. $120 American dollars. I go, how far does that go? They go, oh, it makes it about through halfway through the month. I go, where do you get the rest of the money? Well, we take all the fruit from these fruit trees, and we have a little stand out front. And right out, right out front of their building, there's railroad tracks. It's perfect. Why? Because every car and truck has to stop at the railroad tracks, which is right in front of their business. Genius. Right? Somebody stops, and they look, and they're like, I want to buy that fruit. It looks Delicious. And so anyways, I I go, but yeah, but it's not even open. They go, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, because a communist government sent one of their um, accountants over to look through all of their books, not our books, their books, and what they think we should sell based on past history, and they said that we owed them 400 $400 American dollars. And until we pay the 400 American dollars, we can't reopen the fruit stand. And so I'm starting to get angry, like Saul started to get angry. Like inside of me, I'm starting to like... That's not right. Let's go talk to the communist government. Right? They'll just kick me out of the country. I'll be fine. Like, and something just starts welling up within me. But before I can even act on all of that, Danny, the missionary, asked him, he goes, how long have you guys led this thing? They go, 14 years. Danny said, hey, when was the last time you guys had like a day, like a weekend away or a vacation? They go, we haven't taken one in 14 years. And then my anger moved to compassion. And I reached down into our kingdom builder dollars. And and I pulled out 2,000 American dollars. And I took 1,000 of those and I slapped them on the table in front of them and I go, I don't agree with that communist government. But you're paying your debt off today, and you're reopening that store, and we're going to start selling fruit again, and we're going to start taking care of what we need to take care of here. And they were just, like, tears coming down their face. I go, the other $600, do whatever you need to in this place. You guys are leading it well, and we want to invest into it. So, you know, go get whatever you need to. Have a special party. Do whatever you want to do for the residents that are here. Like, just keep leading well. They're bawling, they're crying, and I take another $1,000 and I slap it down on the table because, guys, you gotta realize, tourists actually go to Cuba from other countries. So, hotels and certain restaurants in tourist areas get quite expensive, okay? And so I slapped another $1,000. ...of our Kingdom Builder money down on the table, and I said, and by the way, I want you guys to get away for a week or so. I don't want you to have a vacation. And we from New Life and our Kingdom Builders, we want to invest into you, uh, Pastor, so that you can keep investing into others. We don't want you to burn out. We want to encourage you today. We're people of hope, and we're bringing joy to the city today. And tears flew down their face, and we hugged them. And Danny, our missionary, he's very emotional, and he just starts crying. And he's like, Pastor, you changed their life! Guys... That's the power of the other. That's what we did together. We did that together. We brought hope and we brought joy. That's what we did. And, and we impacted the five pastors that we brought from Nebraska. Take a listen to their, their testimonial video of how you impacted them by investing into their life. Thank you, Kingdom Builders, for my experience on the Cuba Go Trip. It has definitely expanded my view of what it takes to build the kingdom around the world. It impacted me and it will impact my church in a profound way. So thank you so much. God bless you guys. It was a tremendous blessing and words just cannot express how much I am grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much and God bless all of you guys. It has been such a blessing. It's also just caused a reignited reignited passion for missions inside of my heart to bring back here to Ewing. Thank you. You know, we talk about faith, but faith is like a muscle that we use. And seeing uh, the pastors in Cuba, uh, in many ways, just completely live by faith, challenged me to exercise that muscle in my own life. So I wanna thank you again to everyone who made this trip possible. You guys, it's the power of the other at work, and you brought hope and joy. You increased faith, right? How many of you guys have flown on a commercial flight lately? Flown on a commercial flight lately? What's the very first thing you did when you landed? Thank the Lord, drop to your knees, is that what you did? (laughs) Celebrated, back in Nebraska, or whatever it was. No, the very first thing you did was you turned your cell phone on. That's the very first thing you did. And what happened with your cell phone when you turned it on? It started doing something. It set up in the upper corner, started saying this, like searching, 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 right? And what was it searching for? A network. And when it found the network, it connected. And then all of a sudden, you could start getting calls and and sending calls, and you weren't isolated anymore. Now now you were reconnected again. This is what needs to happen for all of us. First, we have to be connected to the kingdom of God. And, And then secondly, we have to be connected to one another. And that's the way God designed us. God designed us to be those people. So what I want you to do is I just want you to know today that if you're in need, if you're in need of a breakthrough, your breakthrough could come this morning. Okay, But it might, it might come differently than you thought. It might come through the prayer of another. It might come through the encouraging word of another. It might come from a friendship that starts being built right here, right now. Because this is the principle that we know to be true in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, that he, being God, he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. So we can help others see a spiritual breakthrough. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. today, if you feel like you're one of the people caught in Jabesh, and the enemy surrounded you, and and you're you're feeling like hope is draining from your life, and you're feeling faith being drained from your life, and joy being drained from your life, and and you're you're trying to settle for something less than what God wants for you, I want you to know at all of our campuses, the altars are for the hungry, and I want you to come to the altars during our worship time, and I want you to stand or kneel and pray and seek the Lord, and if you do come to the altar, somebody else, the power of the other is going to come alongside you, and they're going to put hands on your, on your back, and they're going to pray for you, or they're going to get in front of you, and they're going to grab your hands, and they're going to pray for you, and we're going to believe God for a breakthrough today. God, who is the one who brings the breakthrough, will bring the breakthrough, maybe even today, through the power of the other. Why don't you stand with me, and let's pray. So Father, today, today we're thankful. We're thankful, God. So thankful that you put us here on this earth, And you fill us with the authority of Christ and the power of your Holy Spirit. And that through our lives, Lord, as we pray for one another, as we become friends with one another, that there's something about our presence in one another's lives that brings a breakthrough. And Lord, there's also something about our words shared with one another that brings a breakthrough. And God, we're thankful for that. And so, Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name, you would move mightily and you would move in power and you would move in authority here at New Life Church today and you would bring breakthrough and freedom to the lives of people as we seek you and as we sing and as we praise you. And for those that are bold enough to come, Lord, they will find a a group of people from new life, one or two people that will gather with them and pray with them. And through the power of the other's prayer, Lord, would you bring spiritual breakthrough in this house? In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen.